0: I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Katherine Zox Show. Joining me today is plastic surgeon Dr. Kenneth Kim, M.D., and we're going to be talking about the Korean way of plastic surgery. Uh, The Korean way of plastic surgery is making its way to Beverly Hills. As people increasingly prioritize natural beauty and subtle enhancements, the demand for Korean-inspired plastic surgery techniques is likely to rise. The emphasis in Korean plastic surgery is on achieving a natural-looking outcome in contrast to the more produced look often associated with Western plastic surgery. Dr. Kenneth Kim, board-certified plastic and reconstructive surgeon, shares will share with us how this Korean way of plastic surgery is making its way to Beverly Hills and beyond. Uh, Dr. Kim graduated from Yale University School of Medicine and was a recipient of the Dean's Award and Department of Surgery Research Award. Uh, He also was inducted as a fellow at the Howard Hughes Medical Institute and completed his plastic and reconstructive surgery residency at Northwestern University. And he is assistant clinical professor at UCLA School of Medicine. Welcome to the show, Dr. Kim. Nice to have you on. Yes, thank you, Catherine. All right, let's yes, let's get right into it because what is the big, what, not just one difference, I guess. There are many differences <laughs> between plastic, Western plastic surgery and Korean plastic surgery. Uh, so what are they?
1: Yeah. So um, a lot of people are interested because of this, you know, K-pop and K-drama, especially a lot on Netflix nowadays. And I think the way to look at it is the difference is based on the anatomy of Asians versus you know non-Asians or what is unique about the Asian anatomic features. And what it is, is that Asians tend to have kind of a wider and heavier uh, tissue. So if you look at the tissue, soft tissue, if you're looking at what that means, the skin, the fat, the connective layer, so it's, everything is a little bit denser. So, for instance, if you're doing a facelift um, for, let's say, non-Asians or let's just say simply Caucasians, let's just say, you could just kind of pull on the muscle. So, you know, we hear about smash lift, we, think, we hear about deep plane facelift. And all of that is relying on you're dissecting, but then you're not dissecting all the way and you're just kind of pulling. And people are wondering why people look uh pulled. And the reason is is that you know, when you know these tissues are elastic and you pull, you are gonna get a pulled effect. It's just natural. Uh it just it's just the way it is. So if you look at let's say sorry to use this analogy, but if you look at like a a thin piece of meat, if you just try to pull on that, then it will have that pulling effect, and, and then eventually you will want to come back down because the, everything has not been fully fully released. But for, um, for, for Koreans, uh, Asians specifically for Koreans, the way the Korean plastic surgeons will do it is because the tissues are heavy, you cannot just rely on the typical pulling technique you have to fully release everything and then you're relying on a re-draping concept. So re-draping means everything is freely released and you're just re-draping it. So another analogy is like um, like a bed sheet. So if you could just pull on the bed sheet versus you re-drape the whole thing from front all the way back. And so, so th- that is kind of like the main difference um, in that. And in order to do that, um, it makes sense. But technically, you have to be extremely precise so that uh, there's no bleeding. Because if there's bleeding, then um, it is dangerous to fully release. And this is why a lot of surgeons don't do that because they feel like, oh, if I just pull, it's good enough. Whereas um, for you know Korean surgeons and you know Korean patients are very. I'm going to repeat this. Were over t- many many times, but they're very very. Uh, not only are surgeons meticulous, but you know Korean patients are very keen on detail, and so um, they don't want that poor look. And also, so a, the longevity. It's a much more meti- it's a
0: mu- oh, Okay, longevity. I um, I just want to. Mm-hmm. So it's a much more, as you say, detail, more meticulous. The results are better. It's not just. And and right. you don't so, eventually yeah. you know you so see I'll a lot. Get... Of, I want to yeah when you see a lot of mm-hmm. women who've had Western mm-hmm. reconstructive surgery maybe once twice or three mm-hmm. times by the time they've had it mm-hmm. the third time it it really looks horrific actually I it oh and then your eyes there's that sunken look in the eyes does a does the mm-hmm. Korean plastic surgery prevent that it it doesn't have that kind of like you know those eyes that are sort of sunken, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a drag. Right, test. right, right. Yeah. Right, right, right.
1: So I'm, I'm glad that you brought in, you brought out about the eyes.
0: Is yeah, that, yeah.
1: so for instance, like, you know, we see a lot of photos of celebrities and then you're right, you know, their eyes look sunken. And what happens is that they, they still look tired and they just look like cold. So what ends up happening is that their eyebrow goes up because they do like a forehead lift but the eyes just don't look like the way they used to. And the reason is, is that people typically just receive a typical Western blephoplasty, which means Western upper eyelid surgery or lower eyelid surgery. But if you really, really look at your eyes, like if you just get a very, you know, just a magnifying mirror and just look at your eyes, look at the crease, what ends up happening is that the eye, when we are looking at somebody's eyes, and you know, what, what patients want is they want to go back to the way they used to look when they are younger. And so what are some of the aging processes that happen as they age is that um, they look, the patients look, um, as we age, they look, people look a little bit more tired. And they think, oh, it's because my skin is hurting. But if you look really carefully, what's happening is that they're not opening their eyes as well as they used to. And why is that? Because our muscle, as we age, the muscle weakens. So everything in our body moves because of the muscle function. And when, just like you can't jump as high as when you used to when you're 20 years old, if you're 50 or, you know, 40 or 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 whatever. And so it's natural that you can't open your eyes as well. And of course the skin is gonna hood as well. But what's been happening is that in typical typically in the Western culture, everything has been about nip like just kinda nip of talk kind of kinda of pulling. And you're relying a lot on the skin and the muscle, they just kinda of trim the muscle, but they haven't really thought about re or or making the muscle function the way, making the muscle function the way it used to function, and so um, what the Korean surgeons would do is they'll increase the function of the eyelid so that they could open their eyes better. And when you open your eyes better, that sunkenness goes away. But what a what a typical American uh, plastic surgery protocol would do is they would just say, oh. Let's just put some fat there. And if you put fat in the upper eyelid, the fat grafting doesn't give you that perfect smooth effect. And so they look a little lumpy, and the eye is very keen on picking up anything that is unnatural.
0: Yeah. So, as you, you know, as you're describing, and I'm thinking of mm-hmm. friends or, acquaint- or even colleagues who have, you know, had Western... Uh, reconstructive surgery. I'm thinking they were better off before because you're right. All of the you know the way you're describing the surgery and what the outcome is. It's not something that I mean. Some people do look you know it, it you know they look well, but uh, the question is like you said, the training and doing this kind of surgery is much much more risky. The Korean reconstructive surgery are they teaching this let's say you graduated from Yale Medical School in the medical schools or I mean in or UCLA or is is this a new trend
1: well I graduated from uh, Yale University Medical School um, and then I trained at Northwestern in Chicago and then I did further training um, in Switzerland I did research in Switzerland um, I, I had another fellowship in uh, facial trauma reconstruction, and then I also spent uh, a significant amount of time in Korea doing further training. Um, and now I teach at UCLA, but also I teach at uh, Seoul, National, Seoul National University, which is the number one university in Korea. And what I'm trying to do is, you know, there's also, there, there, there are pluses and minuses of both cultures and bo- both ways of doing surgery. But um, what I'm just trying to emphasize is that Koreans are very into aesthetics. Um, And you could, and the way you could tell is that Korea, Koreans do more plastic surgery per capita than any other country in the world by far. They just outblow them by far because uh, Koreans are just very into beauty and then they're very into aesthetics. So any little fine things they would like to get it corrected. And, um, and you were mentioning reconstructive surgery. So there's, there's two different things. One is cosmetic, plastic, aesthetic surgery, right? Plastic. When we think of plastic surgery, we're thinking, I'm, I'm more referring to cosmetic surgery. Reconstructive surgery is something like when you have breast cancer and then you're doing reconstruction or if you, got into a, if you had a gunshot to the face, those are reconstructive surgery. What I'm referring to is somebody who wants to look younger, or you know, or somebody who just wants to look better because uh, they just want to change or they want to have a breast augmentation. That is a cosmetic pl- plastic surgery. So when I'm talking about plastic surgery, I'm kind of referring more towards cosmetic surgery, cosmetic. not reconstructive. Yeah.
0: Yes. So what do you do and about women who have, you know, their feet, they, they're beautiful, you, you perform the surgery, but then what do you do about your hands? Because all, you, know, you have this beautiful face, as you're describing it, uh, but then you look at a, well, I'm saying women. And then you look at these old hands, uh, yeah, uh, that the don't hands, really go. The Koreans yeah, Koreans are not ahead. that. Yeah, Koreans are not that into hands.
1: Okay. <laughs> They're not. They haven't <laughs> really put emphasis face. on yes. hands. Okay. But uh, they put a lot of emphasis on the face and the breast, and mm-hmm. as, and then also, as I said, the eyes. And because you were mentioning about, we were just, just to finish up on the eyes. Uh, the fold also typically. Uh, the way we do it in America is that we will just cut out the excess skin and then, and then trim out the muscle. But if you do that, then the crease that occurs, the, you know, we all have what's known as a, an eyelid crease. In, for Asians or Koreans, they call that double eyelid. So I don't know if you know uh, a lot of Asian women or Asian guys, they don't have the crease that's what kind Well, of I, I do the actually. Asian... My,
0: my daughter-in-law is a is Korean She's Korean, so I do know.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay, great, great. Yeah. And then so, um, so if you look at the difference between, let's say, an an Asian or Korean, versus let's say you look at a Scandinavian, and then you look at an Eastern European, what's the difference? The difference is in in terms of the eyes, is that typical. Caucasian, Scandinavian kind of eyes, the creases are big in the, upper, in the upper eyelid. Asians tend to have monolid, which means they don't have no lid or very, very small crease. And then if you look at an Eastern European, they have a little bit of a in between, because Eastern Europeans have a mixture of blood between you know, Asians and Europeans uh, because of the, the, the Mongolian uh, Empire uh, era. And so what The reason I bring up this crease is that in upper blepharoplasty, it's very important to recreate their natural crease. But if you just cut out the skin, you obliterate that, and then that crease becomes loose. And so even though the skin is gone, they don't have that, that nice, crisp crease that they used to have when they were young. And that's why their eyes look different as well. So these type of attention to detail... And and also when you're recreating this crease, typically uh, the American surgeons will just, if they want to do it, let's just say, because I give lectures, they will just, typically just tie it down because even the sewing, so, so even the sewing is different because the way the Koreans will sew is that the sutures will move with the eye movement, whereas for American surgeons the. This is some, the concept is so advanced because when you imagine you're sewing something, you will sew and you'll tie it. And then so there's a divot and then they'll sew and they'll tie it and there's a divot. So between the areas where you have sewed, there's a divot, divot, divot. And so a telltale sign of somebody who has had surgery is when you ask them to close their eyes and you could see the little divot. And what the Korean patients want is they don't want to have any sign that they had surgery, essentially. Not any sign, but as minimal as possible. So without makeup now. So when you close your eyes, the crease goes in. When you're closing your eyes, the the crease are flat. And when you open, the crease goes in. So it's dynamic. So even suturing, we're talking about an extremely advanced way of doing suturing, which is very, very different than the surgeons would do here in America because the training is just so different.
0: So couple, is, there an, the is there an is there an age where you would that you recommend, I mean I don't know if it's a a general um, age group that you would recommend that one begin have plastic uh, sur- uh cosmetic surgery say for the first time I mean what's the what are the demographics Do women come in thir- I mean some even in their thirties forties fifties or it just depends on the individual person and their skin and and, and their look.
1: Um, so, I mean, so is actually uh, you know plastic surgery is, is for all age groups. So typically for um, younger patients, you know, in, in their late teens, they do uh, eyes uh, because, as I said, they were they would like to have the, the crease um, and uh, in their upper eyelid. So that's a very common procedure, or a lot of Koreans also have weakness of the eye muscle because another differentiating fact is that Koreans tend to have smaller eyes, but they want to make their eyes larger. Because if you look at strikingly beautiful people, they all have kind of big eyes. You never see strikingly beautiful women with small eyes. So, they do, so we do a lot of eye enlargement surgery. So we enlarge the eye vertically and we enlarge the eyes horizontally. And these are done for very young people. Another thing is young women in their 20s, 30s, especially after women have had uh, pregnancies uh, and breastfed their kids, you know, they want to have breast augmentation. It's commonly known as mommy makeover, where you do breast augmentation and tummy tuck. And a lot of these uh, women are they're busy, yeah, they're taking care of their kids. Um, a lot of them are career women and they don't have a lot of time uh, for uh, recovery. And so they want to have, let's say, if you're having a breast augmentation, they want something that has essentially no recovery time. So another thing about Korean culture is a Korean culture is a very fast, fast, fast paced culture. And they don't like any delays in anything. So, for instance, here in America, if we have a like a cellular of, or any kind of connect, internet connection, and you're going under tunnel or you're in a subway, and the subway is going under underground or underwater, you would just expect that you lose some connection. Koreans will have a fit if you lose if you have a if you have a connection <laughs> disruption.
0: They don't. Affect so what? Okay, let's talk so, about the surgery then. Do you do surgery because? let's say in western cosmetic surgery you use an anesthesia you, and the, you know if you use an anesthe- anesthesia then that slows things down um is there do you, is that done differently in terms when you are operating
1: yeah so like for instance like so when i operate um because i i believe in that mindset is so so now it's kind of an interesting culture in, in that, you know, they were, everything is fast paced, but at the same time, they really value nature and they value the way, the natural way of doing things, which I agree as well. And so what it, what that is, is that, you know, what is our body, you know, they want to have beautiful nature, <laughs> natural things, but without the harmful effect. So So how do we do that? And one of the ways is to not put them under general anesthesia. So here in America, um, it's just America and, and Europe. it's just routine that just naturally you just undergo general anesthesia if you're going to have yeah. surgery. Whereas, they knock you out you know, in Kore- <laughs> in, in, yeah, knock you out. In Korea, um, you're, you're awake a lot of times. And when I do the surgery, you're awake all the time. And so when I'm doing a breast augmentation or facelift, you're fully awake. And um, you just numb up the area that you're operating. And the surgery is done ultra-precisely so that now... And then talking about recovery, so that there's no downtime. But typically, when you're undergoing breast augmentation, you're groggy when you wake up. You have to be real to your chest rolled out to your car, the women, you know, they are sore for about a week or so, um, and they can't really resume their normal activities. Whereas, um, if you do it, if you're doing the surgery, the way that, you know, the, the way the Korean surgeons will do it, or you know the way I would do it is that there's no recovery time. So that night you could go out to dinner. Um, you could go make dinner. Um, you could lift up your kids um the next day you could go back to your work um if you're a if you're a professional golfer or if you're a surgeon female surgeon you could just go back to doing what your normal activity is but so there's no there,
0: doctor Krim, are there people who are women let's say who come into your office and they want to have the surgery done cosmetic surgery and you do an intake or whatever, and that you would say this person is not suited for surgery. Are there reasons why you would not do cosmetic surgery on someone?
1: Oh, yes, of course. And I think this is with anything. Obviously, you have to talk to the patient and make sure that they have reasonable expectations. And, um, you know, you ha- you have to understand, with any, I think with anything. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, of course. Yeah. But kind of going back to this uh, no recovery time, um, I think that's another thing is that in America, we just accept that if you're going to have surgery, you're going to have significant downtime. If you're going to have surgery, you're going to have bruising, you're going to be black and blue. But if you do it uh, the way the the, the Korean surgeons will do it, is that you you shouldn't have any bruising because the surgery is ultra-precise. So you're not hitting the blood vessels, and when you if you're not hitting blood vessels, then you don't. As like, for instance, for a facelift, then there's no uh, bruising, so there, you could go back to work at a much faster rate. You're not taking the opioid medication because you know in America we have this opioid epidemic. Because if you undergo surgery, it's just given you're going to get an opioid medication, and you know, and if you look at CDC reports and all the uh, publications has been coming out. So many of the opioid addiction that is occurring is because it's iatrogenic in that we, as medical professionals in America, we've been prescribing just medications. Because once surgeons do surgery, the pain is up to the patient. We just we just give you the medication, to tell you to control it. Whereas in Korea, you know the surgeons take a much more comprehensive. Approach, not only just comprehensive approach of surgery, but comprehensive approach of the patient management post-op. So like, I don't want patients to be even be taking opioid medication. So if you're doing a breast augmentation or facelift, they just get Tylenol and they take Tylenol just for like a day and you're done. And so the pain thresh, the amount of pain is night and day difference. Because and the reason is that if the surgery is done in an ultra precise manner, then you're not hitting blood vessels, you're not traumatizing the surrounding tissue, you're not hitting the all these nerves, so you don't have the pain because bleeding causes inflammation. Just look at boxes that get punched. They don't have to be cut. The fact that the vessels have ruptured, that causes inflammation. So just if the attention to that detail and overall patient experience, is, 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 there's that kind of difference. Exists.
0: We, it's actually we only, quite
1: night and day difference.
0: Yeah, it sounds like, it is, definitely sounds like a night and day difference. Um, and uh, I, we only have a couple minutes left. And I have a lot more questions to ask you, so you, you have to come back on the show. Uh, uh, so tell us um, or give us website or websites we can go to for more information about you and your work. And uh, yeah, we have to have you back on because I, I have about 10 more questions here to ask you.
1: Sure, it's uh, drkennethkim.com. So drkennethkim.com, dot mcom And also, I think one thing I do want to leave your audience with is the importance of avoiding general anesthesia when it comes to memory loss because general anesthesia has shown to kill neurons, which are brain cells at the hippocampus, which is a memory forming part of the brain. So if you, so any surgery lasting over two hours will, will damage uh, brain cells that's linked to memory. And so if you talk to people who have undergone general anesthesia, and this is any general anesthesia, they'll tell you, yeah, my memory has gone down. And, um, you know, our dementia is expected to triple by the year 2050. The dementia rate is just going off the roof right now. And we have to do everything we can to protect our brain. And this is especially for people who are older, who are over 60, 65 years old, who are going elective procedure. So if you're going to undergo elective procedure, I'm not talking about you know, surgery you have to undergo. But if you're trying to undergo elective procedure, I'll really encourage patients to avoid general anesthesia and find surgeons who can operate while you're awake.
0: Good advice. Um, Great having you on the show. And I have been talking to Dr. Kenneth Kim um, about the Korean way of plastic surgery. And uh, fortunately, it's making its way to Beverly Hills and hopefully beyond. Thank you. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show.